The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, everyone. Hi, welcome. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and welcome to The Visual Workplace. I'm your host on this, our weekly radio show, and this show is about letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of your operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices. That's your language. That's your vocabulary. We embed it into the production system, it becomes coterminous with work. It is part of the process. Visuality through visual devices becomes the process itself. The visual workplace is a gigantic adherence mechanism, and its purpose is three. The first purpose is to create adherence so that what is supposed to happen does happen. The second, person, the second purpose is to create bottom-line results, tangible, measurable, trackable bottom-line results, and it does. 15% increase in productivity, whatever is getting in the way of that productivity that is physically there in the workplace is addressed through visuality in ways that I find to be quite amazing, quite remarkable, even after 30 years, for heaven's sakes, in this field. And the third is to create a cultural transformation, a change, a shift in who people think they are and who they think the other is. That's my definition of culture. I came upon it. Some of you know that I've been meditating for a number of years, and I've been involved in a, a, a Buddhist uh, tradition. And, you know, I'm trying to get all of these kind of uh, weird Eastern things to match what I'm doing here in this other side of weird, weird Western culture. And, and I like both of those worlds so much. They give me so much, both of them, but they're different. And I was trying to figure out how would you say cultural alignment, how would you talk about the transformation in culture that we want and seek, and many of us are engaged in here in our Western business and industry? How would you describe it in a very kind of um, a Buddhist way? How would the Buddha say it? <laughs> you know, how would, how, would, how would some of our great, how would, what is the essence of it? What is the essence of it? And I came upon this. Culture is who I think I am and who I think the other is. Whether that other is you or them. Who I think I am and who I think you are. 
That's what culture expresses. And an aligned culture happens when I know that I am you. When I know that I am you, now we're aligned. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that works for me, and I've been using it to keep my eye on the ball. And visual, visuality will, supports an outcome that creates remarkable shifts in your work culture, in your continuous improvement work culture, spirited, engaged, and aligned workforce. We go to work, we do good work, we enjoy ourselves, we like ourselves, we like the other people, the company makes money, very nice profit margins, we're on our way, the visual workplace, and that's what this show is about. Today we're going to be talking about We're beginning, this is the second in our series on visual leadership, and I'll talk to you more about that just after a couple of announcements. We've got a pretty packed show today. So I wanted to let you know that podcasts of this show are available from our website, visualworkplace.com. They're also available from iTunes, though I find their navigation a little bit tricky. The podcasts on our website are grouped by topic, and uh, we add to them every month, so uh, give us a, just a, a week or two to get the latest show in place. We're working now on getting the descriptions in place, and we want to let you know about that. We also want to thank you very much for your emails. I got quite a few emails from last week's show. I'm glad you liked it. You send your emails to inf- to radio at visualworkplace.com, radio at visualworkplace.com. Our URL is visualworkplace.com, and that's where the podcasts are. I also want to let you know that we have released our new system, our Work That Makes Sense operator-led visuality system for the world. We've been working on this for about a year and a half, and these this is a standalone series of pre-recorded webinars that are designed for teaching large groups, 20 people, 30 people, 50 people, on-demand, It's a complete package. There are 11 webinars for operators. You don't have to show them all, but you should look at them all and pick and choose the ones you want. And then there are five behind-the-scenes webinars for pre-launch planning and preparation and troubleshooting and helping your trainers become brilliant visual workplace trainers. Remember that series that I did? And there's also a resource folio full of customizable handouts and checklists and hit lists, everything. All the stuff of transformation. I'm very, very pleased with this package. It's called Work That Makes Sense. If you are interested, send us an email at radio at visualworkplace.com. We're preparing the uh, face on the webpage so that you'll be able to find it through that. We're probably just a few days away. I'll tell you, those holidays, they take their toll. You, you, you lose half of December getting ready for the holidays, and then you lose half of <laughs> January recovering. <laughs> tell me that isn't true. I also want to let you know that we're having two visual thinking seminars, one of them in Portland in early April. We'll have the details soon. And one in Oklahoma City, and that's already pretty much set up. We're doing it with AME. Association for Manufacturing Excellence, one of our favorite organizations, not-for-profit, on May the 14th and 15th, okay? And that's on our website as well. The flyer is just being finished now, and we ought to get that from AME any day now. So I want to welcome you. 
And now let us begin. Last week, we spoke of visuality and cultural transformation. And that conversation marked the launch of this new series that we're into now, which is called Visual Leadership. We will be going until probably May or June. There are many, many components of this, as I'm going to kind of delineate today. The principles and practices of visuality are designed to help operators, of course, but they are also designed to help leaders, to help leaders lead, make a decision, make their decisions, say yes to the few and wait to the many, become leaders of improvement, shift their identities from logistical worries, uh, logistical worriers, to officers of the corporate intent. Warriors of the corporate intent, not warriors. And in this group, I certainly, this group of leaders for visual leadership, I include executives, of course, and vice presidents and plant managers, of course, and hospital directors, of course, and managers, managers of engineering, managers of purchasing, managers of the production floor, and I also include supervisors. Pretty much you can think of this as exempt employees, okay? All of your exempt employees, okay? Now, mind you, a visual workplace is also for turning operators into leaders, but they become leaders of themselves, leaders of their own thinking, leaders of their own areas, their locus of control. They become leaders of improvement there. They use visuality as their mechanism, as their pathway. They become visual thinkers. But in this series, we're going to focus squarely on those responsible for what happens around the value-add level, the successive ripples, the rings of function and accountability that ripple out from the value-add function and ripple into it. Okay, you know, you could call this the overhead, value-add versus overhead. It's the management executive supervisory structure. And this has long been overlooked by folks who are interested and companies who are interested in visuality. They mostly give leaders something called a dashboard or visual management. But I have found that the terminology of visual management to be is mostly uh, misused. It's a misnomer. Some people use visual management to mean all of the visual workplace, and some people use visual management to use that part of visuality that helps us manage. But I'm interested in visuality that will help us lead. Management is a subset of that. The logistical tracking and monitoring and control is a part of that, managing. Did you know this, that the word manage comes from the French? Here's a little known fact. It comes from the French. And do you know what the French, which is menager, M-A-N-E-G-E-R, if I'm remembering it correctly, with an acute accent over the E, I think. I will look it up during the break, but I'm pretty sure that's the way it's spelled, menager. And it means to train horses. It comes, management comes from the French, and the French means to train horses. (laughs) 
And, you know, if you've never been managed by somebody who's a pretty clumsy manager, that's what it feels like. It feels like they're trying to push you around. <laughs> and you're the three-ton beast that's going to step on their toe if they're not careful. <laughs> right? Pushing me around. That's what management is around here. You know, telling me what to do. Well, you have no idea who I am. I'm three tons and you're just a puny little human being. I'm going to step on your foot. (laughs) So uh, even the word management bespeaks of something that is not that elevated. Even though, uh, you know, the definition has morphed over these many, 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 many decades since we needed management uh, at the time of the Industrial Revolution. So I'm um, going into a, we're going into a break now. When we come back, I'm going to do that quick look up, see if I can find it very quickly on Google, and I will see you when we get back. And we'll continue this conversation on visual leadership and the shift in identity. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. Welcome to the second part of our show, The Visual Leader. An identity shift, a shift in identity. And just before the break, I was kind of stumbling through a bit of trivia, which I actually will be included in my new book because I find it so fascinating, that the word management comes from the French word manager, which means to train horses. The word itself, if you speak of management in French, not its etymology or its origins, that's what etymology means, 
for those of you who are new to the term, but uh, how, how we say management in French today, then it is gérant or géré. This uh, company is well-managed, pardon my terrible accent, but it's set down to prise et bien géré. So, so it's different, but actually the origins of the word management is to train horses. So there. And it feels, sometimes it feels that way, a little bit clumsy. But you know, managers are well-meaning. They do what they need to do to make sure that the company is supported and that it continues, it survives, and it's a hard job. It's a really hard job. And when we talk about visual management, we're not just talking about, visual management is a term that I never use. I don't like to use it because it is so misused and because people use it as a pasty over the whole of visuality, which is much more subtle and complete and has greater scope, and it just isn't a term that is big enough for it. I like visuality. My friend Steve Pollard, who was the head business analyst at Rolls-Royce in the UK, said it one day, and I said, can I use it? And he said, forever. And I have been using it. It's a, it's a really, really good term. So where we are now is that we're going to be looking at the ripples that come from and support the value-add function. The shift in roles that happen when visuality becomes the tool of the leaders of your enterprise is remarkable and functionally extremely positive. And the reason for that, and now we're touching upon this idea of identity, is that it changes behavior. It changes the behavior of the leader. Because visuality is about structure, because it resides in the living landscape of work, in the form of visual devices, it impacts performance directly. I like to say it is coterminous with work. It is embedded into the work, and it becomes a part of our behavior, a part of our performance. As soon as we change our behavior, as I said last week, we change ourselves. That's the nature of behavioral of behavior. When we change our behavior, we change ourselves. And this is a whole field of psychology and psychotherapy to get people to do things differently so that they actually become the person that they want to become. And just as an operator will embed his performance into his work area through borders, addresses, color coding, and other mechanisms of adherence that we call visual devices, So leaders, executives to supervisors, can do, and I say must do the same. They embed the tools of visual leadership. And as a result of that, their behavior changes. And as a result of the behavior changes, they change their identity shifts. And remember I said before, once we get control of our corner of the world through visual devices, what happens inside of us is that a little margin opens up, a little space, a little internal space. And within that space, we can contemplate new things and a new way of being and working, being in the world and working. We've got a little bit of space. The pressure is off. We're not crazy, 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 just rushing to do the stuff. We have a little bit of margin, a little quiet, 
little quiet. And in that quiet, we breathe and we begin to become the person we wanted to be, the hero. The cultural transformation, this transformation is a clear and intended result of an effective implementation of the visual workplace. It is a tide that raises all boats, leaders as well. Remember the five core principles of visuality. I alluded to them a moment ago as though I already told you. Sorry. I'm about to tell you, to remind you what we went through last week. The five core principles of visuality, the progression, because the order does matter. Number one, forgive me for getting ahead of myself. Number one, visuality is a language. Number two, because it is a language, it is personal expression, it is eye-driven. Because it is a language, it is eye-driven. Number three, the language called visuality is embedded. It's an embedded language. It is embedded into the living landscape of work through visual devices. So we have the devices in place now expressing. Number four, the result of this is control. We gain control over our corner of the world. That's number four. Number five, this control gives us, creates margin, an internal space, a space of quiet, just a little bit to begin with, just a little bit, a place of contemplation, a place that we can begin to shift our identity. And if you wanted to add a sixth one, the sixth one would be that in turn triggers a shift in identity. You cannot change your identity unless you have some room inside to make that shift. Otherwise, it's compression. You're compressed. And even though the main intent, purpose of visuality is not to change our identity and help our psychology and help us be heroes of our own life, it is the third of three. The first is to make money. The second is to be in bed, in bed performance, and the third is to create a cultural change. We're going to get a 15 to 30% increase in throughput. I'm sorry, in productivity, as I prefer to say it. I've found no improvement strategy that does this better, deeper, or faster. It is not fast, but it is faster than the others that I've studied in making this contribution. Visuality is hidden in plain sight. It is nonetheless a gigantic adherence mechanism that ensures, here's another way of saying it now, I'm saying the same thing. Visuality is a gigantic adherence mechanism that ensures exact performance because it embeds behavior. The behavior we already want to engage in but sometimes cannot. The behavior is... What is supposed to happen does happen. We do that. We do that. We execute those standard operating procedures. We meet those standard levels, those specs. We come to work to be a hero. We come to expect, express our lo- We come to express our lives and our love of our lives. We are motivated. At least we are at the start. But we are often not ca- capable. We are often simply not capable. Visuality gives us that capability. Visuality by design makes us capable. It builds capacity. 
the technologies of the visual workplace transform the visual work pl- the workplace itself. The technologies of the visual workplace transform the physical workplace and in the process transforms us. And that's how visuality does it. That's how it engenders both dazzling creativity and a fierce commitment to what is supposed to happen, a fierce commitment to standards and to the enterprise. It is both the language of personal expression and the vehicle of adherence for executives as well, and that's the point here. The power of margin that I described last week, that slightest bit of internal personal space, can and does liberate human potential in leaders as well and triggers in them a spirited and engaged commitment and contribution to the enterprise that they have been hired to support. Visuality doesn't just support a vibrant and engaged leadership. It creates it. And that's, that's the point of this whole series. I want to tell you about it. And yes, I want to give you a chance to contemplate it on your own because maybe you will agree with me. So there are going to be many parts of this conversation. It will cover executive leaders, middle management leaders, supervisors as leaders. Okay. But I am not going to be referring to just a change that will make people more cooperative, less grumpy. It's much, much more. This is a deep sea change that may appear to be evolutionary, at times, but in fact, in my view, is a revolution. I began um, this study of leaders about two decades ago. I'm sorry, I should say when I was about two decades into my work because the companies that I was working with, um, let me start again. I was nearly two decades into my work before I seriously began to study and codify a protocol for the leaders of the companies I worked with. The need for this came out of their need. A company would invite me in to lead a change on the operator level. If you are familiar with my uh, protocol, it's called doorway number one, doorway one out of ten doorways. This was my kind of 5S, 5S on steroids, the visual wear, work that makes sense. And that would take eight or nine months to set into motion and get into a good place so that the company could take over. And then I would visit every other month or every quarter if it was in Europe or somewhere else far away. In pretty close tandem, I also worked with supervisors, mostly with eye-driven visual displays, which we will be going into in some great depth after probably in about a a month. So the supervisors would come up. They would become visual supervisors. The operators would come up. They would become visual thinkers, supervisors or visual thinkers, even middle managers. But the executive was out of sync. The rest of the organization would be gaining mastery over their corner of the world through visual Through visuality, they would be gaining control through visuality. But the executives did not. They were as they were before. They were, they remained as they were before, untouched, happy with the results on the value add level, happy with the changes that were happening with the uh, supervisors, 
seeing the supervisors getting on board and engaged, less harried, more effective. The production numbers improved, the KPIs were improving, but the executive was out of sync. The executive didn't have a framework that fit him into the visuality. He also didn't have a framework to take advantage of the progress. He only had his old way. His own thinking was unchanged. It was unimpacted, except that he was pleased. But visuality was not a part of his daily protocol, his work, his effectiveness. He still made decisions, but those decisions did not capitalize on the new capability because they were decisions made within if I may say so, his old identity, his current identity. And I noticed that, and I said, oh my gosh, for all our good work, the executive has now become the noise in the system. Because usually this work would go visual, and then lean would be brought in, then we would blend the two, or maybe would begin lean you know, implementation of lean, and then visual would be brought in, and then we would integrate the two. But the executive, so we took care of the noise in the macro system, but then suddenly the executive became the noise. It was very, very interesting. And I said to myself, what to do, what to do? And so I began to study and to codify. And I will tell you more about that when you come back after this break. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Game-changing technologies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up the status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take a coffee break with Game Changers on Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on today's top big data innovators. Learn about emerging big trends and technologies and how you can grow your business and profit. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 
472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. Welcome to the third segment of our show today, The Visual Leader and Identity Shift. The Visual Leader and Identity Shift. And I'm kind of setting up what our series is going to be about. And just before the break, I was talking about my experience with companies that wanted visuality but didn't really understand how encompassing visuality is. They didn't understand it as a language, a language that everyone in the organization must learn to speak because in learning visuality as a language, our vocabulary is visual devices and through these visual devices we are able to embed the details, the specifications of our own work, of our own performance into the landscape of work so that it becomes coterminous with the physical system. And I was talking about that. So I began my work with these companies and the operators became visual thinkers. They commanded their their areas. The supervisors became visual thinkers. They commanded their areas. They commanded the linkages between departments. They got control over their corner of the world through eye-driven, mostly visual displays. These are for supervisors. And they began to feel masterful. And they created a huge chunks of margin within themselves because suddenly the grind had been lifted. The oppressive detail of not knowing, not having, chasing, searching, Every fixed and firm schedule changed 15 times a day. Nothing was fixed and firm. And the change happened on the operator and the supervisory level and even with some some, uh, managers as well. But the true doorway to help the managers change was really the executive and the executives were out of sync. The executives were unchanged by the change. They were untouched. They were happy with it. But they had not changed themselves. They were simply reaping what benefits they could. And because they were not themselves visual thinkers, their ability to capitalize on the benefits that visuality was producing, may I say, on lower levels, meaning they're at the top, command and control, and everything is beneath them. Everything is on a lower level. They were not able to capitalize on this. And there were exceptions But I will tell you, compelling natural leaders are rare in any field, regardless of the industry, regardless of the venue, hospitals, factories, government agencies, any kind of office, banks, whatever. To make a compelling leadership contribution to the enterprise, you have to do more than just chase down information, monitor KPIs, submit reports, show up for meetings. You really need a job change. And those compelling natural leaders knew who they were and how to do it from the beginning. Even though visuality has been a tremendous boost for them, they did so many things right. Their intelligence was so attuned to the changes that they simply became stronger leaders as their organization came up. But most lagged far behind. Most needed a change in their job description. 
a change in themselves. They needed to fire the boss that they were and hire a new one, (laughs) if I can say so. Fire yourself and let's bring in a new part of you. Transform your identity if you don't mind, but identities shift only when we see and understand and act differently. Mm -hmm. And there are exceptions. I'm going to tell you about one exception because it was so amazing to me. His name, Venu Srinivasan, he at the time was in charge with his brother Gopal of a massive industrial family, if you will, in uh, the Madras area. I worked with them in their moped uh, factory, but they had, you know, they had uh, engines and transformers and motors and uh, also assemblies around them like little mopeds. And Venu Srinivasan was a natural born and compelling leader. And he was hungry. He's what I call the Barracuda leader. He's always hungry for lunch. And that's going to be part of our discussion as well, talking about the Barracuda leader. And what he did naturally one day was to set his organization upon a path that won his enterprise, the first Deming Prize in India. It might have, I think it was the second external prize. Florida Power and Light was the first Deming Prize winner winner in the United States. And I'm pretty sure that it's possible that Venu's organization, which is called TVS Sundaram Clayton in Madras, I worked in the beautiful town of Bangalore. Oh, my God. Stayed at the Windsor Manor Hotel. Oh, my God. Wow, it was just amazing. But he, he had, he created a revolution. And he created it first in his mind, naturally, and then actually. And the first step on his journey was the following. He knew he wanted everything to change. And I had already given him a base in visuality and an understanding of the X-type and an understanding of, um, let's call it visual, linked visual problem solving. So he always, he already understood that the tools were there. And then he went to Japan and he studied a little further. He spent two weeks there, came back, was, was committed. And his first official act, which I heard about, I was not in India at the time, which I heard about simply by uh, report, was dazzling. And that was, he decided that he needed to change the identity of his leadership. But his leadership was made up exclusively of Brahmins, very high-class Indian caste, uh, which uh, are the, the, the high priests, if you will, of the Indian religion and economy. So all the engineers were Brahmins. He was a Brahmin. His brother was a Brahmin. They were surrounded by Brahmins. And there were certain cultural constraints that he needed to deal with head-on if he was going to create the new enterprise, the new excellent enterprise. This, by the way, was in the 1980s, the late 1980s, early 90s. So it was 20, 25 years ago. And what Venu did in his cleverness, in his brilliance as a leader, is he put people's feet to the fire in a way that gave him an instant understanding of who was going to be on board and who was not. And so he said to his, um, his leadership, he said, um, 
Well, we're going to work on Saturday. I'd like you to meet me at thus and so site, and I'd like you to please bring a change of clothes, something that you don't mind if it gets a little messed up. Bring bring your work clothes. Nobody understood why, why they were being asked this, but of course they did it. Everybody loves Venu. He was a great leader. And they showed up, and Venu said, okay, he gave a speech. We are now going to begin a deep and complete transformation of this enterprise, of TVS Sundaram Clayton. It begins today, and it begins with you. And I have invited you here because we are now going to engage in the first task together that will create the beginning of this tremendous transformation. And I want to thank you for coming, and thank you for bringing your old clothes. And here's what I want you to do now. I want you to please get into your old clothes and come with me because we are going to clean the toilets. (laughs) We are going to clean the toilets. I mean, even for us Americans, people would take pause and say, hmm. And some of them might walk out and say, ain't going to do it. But... Most people would kind of trust the leader or think he's just being quirky today and our toilets are pretty clean right now. So, oh, you know, I don't know what he's got up his sleeve, but I've got a bonus coming and I'm going to stick. But that is not the way it happened in India, in Bangalore. I I believe this happened in Bangalore. I heard about it by report. What did happen is more than half of his Brahmin executive team left on the spot, because what he brought them right up to immediately was the traditional religious constraint that you don't touch toilets. You're in the wrong caste. I'm a Brahmin. I'm a priest. I've got somebody who does that. And how can I see you as me if you're the one who cleans the toilet and I don't? How can I lead you if I think I am more than you and you are less. And that is the conundrum that Venu, in his compelling natural understanding of what needed to be done, that is what Venu Srinivasan wanted to address. He needed to crack the code on that. And he did it in in, in one sentence on a Saturday morning. Exceptional, fantastic. Leaders like this catch my eyes. I have other stories. They're fantastic. They lived in this identity because of who they were, and they needed others to shift into it. And I, I, I would study these exceptional leaders, these compelling natural leaders, so rare in any field, They caught my eyes, but they did not give me answers. I could not replicate that internal fire that was, that is Venu Srinivasan in others. I had to find another doorway. I had had to find another pathway. I knew it was possible. I knew there was a way to cultivate a a Barracuda understanding, this fierce appetite for improvement and yet this very savvy way of dealing with people, I knew there was a way, and I went to the only place I knew well enough, the only resource I had command over, 
and that was visuality. How could visuality help these executives? We're going into a break. As soon as we come back, I will put a little ribbon around this and we'll talk about a few other things before we go. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome to The Visual Workplace, our weekly radio show on letting the workplace speak. And today we were talking about letting it speak in the voice of the executive, speak in the voice of the supervisor, speak in the voice of the leader. The visual leader a shift in identity, a new identity. And right before the break, I, was, I told you the story of Venu Srinivasan. Boy, I wish I had been there on that Saturday morning when all the Brahmins were there with great expectations, bright-eyed, waiting for the big change which they had heard was coming. They didn't realize that this first change that was going to happen was a change in themselves. And this scenario is almost impossible to replicate as a mechanism, as a reliable, predictable mechanism of change as enterprise goes, uh, enterprises go through the transformation we call into the new leadership. And so I noticed this and I gloried in the story and I love telling the story. I celebrate it. It's fantastic. But it did not give me answers. It didn't give me a protocol. And so I went to visuality. And I knew about a number of visual tools that you know about as well. Some of you will know the X-type matrix. 
It's a form of Hoshin. I'd been using it for years. Fukuda, who brought it from Sumitomo, my, my great sensei, Ryuji Fukuda, brought it from Sumitomo, taught it to me. I used it. I liked it. It was good. But was it transformational? No, for me, it was just a mechanism. It was a tool. didn't really change behavior as I understood it then. And I knew about the house, you know, the house of Toyota, the house of uh, Danaher, the house of, um, of um, Virginia Mason Hospital, the house with its pillars. And I found it quite useless. It was, for me, just another pr- pretty face, hardly even pretty. So I knew it was a visual tool. It was visual. You could see it, and it held information. But how did it change behavior? How did it change identity? I didn't see it. Same thing with the X-type. And I knew about metrics, and I didn't see how that fit, but I knew it had to be part of the leadership paradigm because leaders are in charge of metrics, both naming what they want and watching them, using them, exploiting them, deploying them. And I certainly knew about visual problem solving. I'd spent a decade with uh, Ryuji Fukuda working on that. But how did it fit? And war rooms. I love the idea of war rooms, but most of them that I observed were just rooms with displays of information that was useful, but not a true leadership tool. Not one where you could carve out the destiny of the enterprise through your own personal decision-making. No, it wasn't on that level. And I remember my favorite way of describing leadership way back when, during the area of MBOs, Management by objective, some of you will remember it, was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Everybody in the food chain did the same thing. They copied what the top exec did, Snow White. And they mimicked the rest. No strength of their own, no definition, no differentiation. So I set about to crack the code. And I met two or three executives early on who were willing to engage in this. And without them, I could not have done it. Without Mark DeLoe. I could not have done it, and others. And I thank them very much for letting them be my guinea pig. And I said, hey, let's try this out. I think it'll help. Or would you try it out? Please, please, please. Ron Page. Fantastic. And these leaders let me. And I had a laboratory in which I could work out what is the protocol of leading visually the kind that will create enough space inside the leader for that leader to shift his identity into one of greater personal effectiveness and also greater professional contribution, visuality. So in this series, we will be looking at that. And we will begin, I'm going to be separating the leadership tools for executives and talking about that separately and in a different sequence, talking about the leadership tools for managers and supervisors, which I'm going to treat as a single group, and I will call them supervisors, but managers are included. And then I will share with you, I'm going to talk about those two separately, and I will share with you how they blend, how they integrate, how they fit with each other, because they do. And there will be six, or if you count it differently, seven different tools that I present but two, two paradigms on each of them, two constructs that will help you understand 
what the change in job description is that goes with the use of these tools. There is much to cover. This is the stuff and substance of my new book, and I, I will tell you frankly, by talking to you about it uh, on the radio in these shows, it gives me a chance to think through these issues because I'm very busy right now, and I, I was supposed to write this book last year. I didn't have time. This year looks worse. So I'm going to use the radio show to get my thinking in order. Forgive me if it sounds less than perfect, because it isn't. It's a real movable feast for me. It's a real project under construction. It's books under construction. My esteemed editor, Aurelio Navarro, Aurelio Navarro, expects this will be two books. So much the better. One for execs and one for supervisors, managers. They will be handbooks. Yes, some stories, but mostly practical application that will help you. And if you listen to this series, you will find things that will help you both do differently, lead differently, and also be differently. During the course of our time together, we will, on this particular series, we will also be looking at, <laughs> I'm going to give you some names of things. We're going to be looking at the strange attractor, part of chaos theory. It's very important for you to understand that. We're going to be talking about becoming a leader of improvement for executives and the seven elements of that leadership model and becoming a leader of improvement for supervisors, managers. And the seven elements of that, they are different elements. And what motion means for a leader? What is moving without working for a leader? What is the leader's value field? Because I will tell you, it's not your desk. It's elsewhere. Even though you spend a lot of time there. It's not your laptop. Or your iPhone. Or your smartphone. We will be talking about the characteristics of the Barracuda leader, and I want to inspire you to get very hungry so that everything looks like lunch and to cultivate a team of people around you who are also hungry but also impeccably well-mannered, courteous, mannerly, elegant, That's the combination that works if you're a Barracuda leader. Always hungry and always courteous. Mm -hmm. So we have an interesting time together. I'm really looking forward to walking through the sequence with you. I couldn't ask for better comrades along the way. (laughs) We're going on a journey, and you are my comrades, and we will have great understandings together And we will look at our lives differently and be inspired by the fact that we are alive and been given this gift of working together. So I really look forward to it. And right now, Kevin is giving me the hairy eyeball. I have to go. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to say I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. I'm going to find a better way to sign off, something that says, see you the next time. Or what was it that Edward R. Murrow used to say? Da-da-da-da, until tomorrow. I'm going to find one so that I can be more connected with you when I say see you the next time. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. 
Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 